City Insider, a San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Trisha Thadani, a City Hall reporter at the Chronicle. My colleague Dom Fercasa and I spoke to the leading candidates in each district race up for grabs in November. This episode, we spoke to District 6 candidate Matt Haney, a current school board member. Haney said his first focus in office would be cleaning up the streets and creating more shelter beds in the district. But he's up against two pro-housing candidates who are endorsed by the mayor. And the question is how he can set himself apart. All right, Matt, thank you so much for coming to the City Hall press room. Um, So we will start by giving you 60 seconds to do your basic elevator pitch. Three, two, one, go. My name is Matt Haney. I'm running for District 6 Supervisor. I was born and raised here in the Bay Area and have spent my entire uh, career in public service uh, in San Francisco. I've been an attorney representing people who are facing evictions. I've worked for an organization called the Dream Corps alongside Van Jones. Uh, I've been on the school board for the last six years where I've took on some of the biggest challenges we have as a city, building housing for our teachers, a new school in Mission Bay, expanding computer science and coding uh, to all students. 30 and seconds. What I'd like to see is a city that truly reaches its potential. Uh, we are one of the richest, uh, one of the most progressive, one of the most creative places in the world. Uh, yet if you look around District 6, you see a city that is failing. You see thousands of people living on our streets. You see some of the filthiest sidewalks in the country, uh, and you see people who are concerned about affordability and safety. I think we need leadership. We need creative, innovative leadership. That's been my track record. Uh, I've had broad support from the Democratic Party and Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, and I think that I uh, have the leadership and the backing uh, to get things done. Um, so, so your opponents, um, Sonia Tross and Christine Johnson, so they their platform is basically that building all types of housing is the end-all be-all for solving the city's problems. Where do you agree with them and where do you differ? When I go around District 6, what I hear most often is that um, the day-to-day experiences on the streets, um, the concerns about homelessness, uh, the concerns about drug dealing and public safety, Uh, and the concerns about uh, public transportation and public space are really at top of mind for folks. So I think people are looking for someone who can really lead on those issues, who is laser-focused on neighborhood issues. And, of course, a huge part of that is also going to be building more housing. Uh, But I'm going to be focused on building housing in District 6. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that we actually get the funding and make the deals and see housing go up. Um, I'm not going to be running around other parts of the Bay Area uh, trying to deal with their issues. I think we have enough issues in District 6, and people are looking for somebody who's really focused on those. Mm-hmm. And is that housing market rate? Is it affordable? What I think we type? need both. We need we need more market rate housing, and we need more affordable housing. Um, as a supervisor, my main focus is going to be affordable housing. I'm going to fight to make sure that if there's a va- vacant plot of land that the city has some access or control over, um, we're going to fight to build affordable there. Um, when we are building market rate housing, we're going to try to get the best uh, and highest percentage of affordable as, as a part of that deal. But that's going to require us working with developers. Uh, and it's also going to require us, of course, expanding the amount of market rate housing that's in District 6 and beyond. So I'm for all of it. But my responsibility is to the community that I represent and making sure that their needs are met and that their voices are represented. And that I'm not just going to because a developer walks in with a certain deal and say, this is the only thing I can do, that I'm just going to say, yes, 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 whatever they want, um, which is, I think, what concerns me about my opponent's positions. 
But that is to say that there's not as much of a uh, intensive focus on the affordable components of housing development. Is that what you mean by that? For, for, for them, I think that um, they are going to be much more likely to defer to developers and their uh, uh, view on what they can do. Uh, I think that they are very critical of the inclusionary housing laws, uh, which require a certain percentage of affordable. Uh, I think we've seen great housing projects that have had massive support in D6 and across the city, Pier 70, uh, Mission Rock. Um, these are projects that had 30 to 40% affordable housing because we actually worked hard to make sure the community's needs were on the table and central to what, what the outcome was. I think if, if we had those projects now, I think that based on what I've heard from my opponents, they would just say, sure, whatever the developer wants, um, that's all they can do. And we're just trying to maximize the number of units of housing, no matter what it is. And I think I'd take a different approach. Um, I'd negotiate hard on behalf of the community, but also make the deals to get the housing built. I wonder, uh, housing is also a huge priority for um, our mayor, London Breed. Um, I wonder if you could just walk us through what your interactions or relationships have been like uh, with Mayor Breed over the years, um, and whether or not you were surprised that she you know, came out and endorsed uh, uh, Sonia and Christine as, as the one-two campaign. I've known London since she was a, a leader in the uh, Western Edition community. We've done events together. We've volunteered together. We've organized people together. We were both delegates for Barack Obama in 2008. Um, so I consider her a friend, a personal friend, uh, and I still feel that way. Um, I think I'll be able to work very well with her. Um, ultimately, um, she's focused on the things that all of us should be focused on, you know, homelessness, building more housing, public safety. Uh, so I think I'll be able to work fine with her. But the truth is that District 6 has not been well served um, for decades now. And so we need somebody who's standing up for District 6 residents. And sometimes that's going to mean standing up to the mayor and, and saying, hey, you're not giving us enough services. You're not focused enough on our public safety issues or homelessness in our communities. Um, so I need to see you do more. And I'm always willing to work with you uh, to get that done. So uh, on a personal level, we're friends. Um, I will partner with her where I can, but I also will stand up to her uh, on behalf of the residents that I want to represent. That district's been represented by, by you know, Supervisor Jane Kim for the past eight years nearly. Uh, how, how would you, uh, you know, assess her, her track record as supervisor? I mean, I think Jane has also uh, you know, sounded the alarm on the, the underserving of District 6. Uh, you, know, you saw it over the last year or two with a real focus on cleaning up the streets and getting a supplemental to focus on the needs of District 6. So I think we need to, to take her work and, to, and, and ramp it up big time in the coming years. Uh, it, to me, uh, you know, most of the services of District 6 are actually provided by um, the mayor's office and, and her respective departments. And so uh, the, the District 6 supervisor has a responsibility to advocate and fight and stand up and yell and scream to make sure that um, those services are being delivered effectively. So I don't think the, the, the question of who is best for District 6 shouldn't be who is most closely aligned to do whatever the mayor wants. <laughs> I don't think that's going to lead to the best outcome for District 6 residents because it's going to be in many ways harder for my opponents to stand up and to say we're not getting what we need and deserve, which I think is the responsibility of the District 6 supervisor. We have neighborhoods in District 6 that are newly dense residential areas that aren't being treated that way when it comes to street cleaning, when it comes to public transportation, what, what, what's parking, an example? like Rincon Hill, okay. um, uh, even down into South Beach and Mission Bay. Mm -hmm. um, these are areas that feel neglected by the city uh, and feel like they haven't gotten the attention 
that they need as a dense residential area, uh, public space, um, uh, um, businesses that are actually open and serving residents there, not just serving the folks who, who are there during the day. So there's a, there's a shifting in understanding that the city needs to, to make to start to treat these areas different. And I think I'll be able to understand that and fight for it. Right. Well, what's a way that you would treat them differently, to use your words? Like, would you, um, does that come in terms of giving businesses more incentives to come to the area? What, how do you, how do you do that? Well, um, you know, some of the, the, the services at a basic level have been missing. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the, the street cleaning. We talk about community policing. There's very few, uh, and there's actually no uh, foot patrol south of Folsom. And uh, there's, it's very rare that you would see an officer walking around in uh, areas that are now very dense residential areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there aren't parks, whether dog parks or parks for kids or, or, or both, um, in a lot of District 6. And so these are sort of basic services and zoning that, that are missing right now. Um, we also have, I think, a, a situation where um, there hasn't been an adequate amount of uh, uh, ground-level retail that's really there to serve the residents. Um, mm-hmm. The spaces are way too massive. The folks are keeping them vacant for long periods of time. We have to figure out a, a range of both carrots and sticks to get those spaces full. And I think there's been a lack of attention to that uh, because, uh, in part, there isn't an understanding that these businesses and services are actually required for, for these dense residential areas mm-hmm. now. Uh, the city doesn't really understand the importance the importance of that for parts of District 6 because they don't think of District 6 like a residential area. But we're building most of the new housing and we are becoming increasingly the future of uh, the city when it comes to uh, uh, residential development. Mm-hmm. So the result of this has to be that services and infrastructure catch up and, and, and mm-hmm. zoning. Let's shift gears and focus on a different part of the district, the Tenderloin, which you said needs more foot patrols as well. Um, one of your priorities, you said that you would want to increase the, rig- the rigidity of um, stay away orders for drug dealers in the area, um, which you said point blank would actually lead to more arrests. Um, could you talk about that plan? Yeah, so you know, right now there are a lot of folks who are there every single day on the same blocks who are uh, selling drugs in the same, sometimes the same 10 foot area. Uh, that's obviously unacceptable for our, um, for our city, for the residents who live in those areas. Uh, there are many low-income residents, many vulnerable people, people who are in recovery. Uh, you know, it's absolutely shameful that we allow that and that there isn't an urgency around changing that. One of the tools uh, that we have in our toolbox is a stay-away order. And the hope would be that um, after a couple times of being approached by police and saying, you can't be here, sometimes that would be an arrest or sometimes it'll just be a you have to leave, mm-hmm. um, that they'll stop coming back. It's one of the tools uh, in, in addition to activation of these blocks, working with small businesses, working with community organizations. And then for a lot of these folks, if, they're, if they are being arrested, what is happening to them once they get into the system? Are we actually being focused on getting people into other types of economic opportunities, jobs, education, rehabilitation? Some folks are users themselves. You know, we actually have to think beyond just the arrest and release or arrest serve three months and release. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my career trying to change our criminal justice system because uh, the focus just on prison time and jail time is often what put, puts these guys out there because they're left with nothing else to do. And um, if you just cycle people in and out of jail and prison, that's not a solution either. So the stay away order should be preventative. And then I want to have a real conversation about what we do when they are arrested 
uh, to actually uh, get them into something where they'll stay away and stay out of this life of crime. We also need to go after the bigger guys. You know, some of these folks are at the bottom of the chain and they're really being exploited uh, or in some cases trafficked. Uh, and what are we doing to do larger investigations uh, to, to break that up? And I'd like to see a lot more of that from our police department federally as well. And to put it bluntly, do you feel like the police are too lax generally in, you know, getting these drug pushers off the street corners? I mean, because you, you hear that cops feel like their hands are tied, that, you know, some of these things are going to amount to misdemeanors. And so they don't, you know, bother uh, arresting or, or confronting uh, people like that. I mean, wh- what's your your takeaway, I guess, in terms of where how the police department's going about their business right now in that respect? One of the challenges has been is that it's not a part of a larger strategy uh, at least not one that I can define, um, where uh, the city's involved, where, um, you know, OEWD on certain of these areas, it really, we need to activate and bring in new businesses. Uh, we have uh, questions around the district attorney and making sure that when somebody is um, actually prosecuted, that we have a real strategy around what happens to them and how to, you know, put them on a, on a different path. Um, I'd like to see a broader strategy around uh, how we address drug dealing in our neighborhoods, uh, of which foot patrols can be both preventative and enforcement. Uh, so just going out there and arresting a couple guys every day, um, I don't think is going to change the reality. They'll just replace them and it just continues as it is. Uh, but you know, law enforcement has a responsibility with the elected officials to keep folks safe and to hold ourselves accountable to a real plan. And I haven't heard a plan from the chief. I haven't heard a plan from the captain. I haven't heard a plan from the mayor yet. So I'm going to be pushing to hold them accountable to say, what are we going to do? What, how are each of us going to take a certain part of it? And how are we going to you know, push forward collectively? Getting back to development in, in District 6, Matt, um, you had mentioned how much has changed recently, how much is changing. I mean, over the next 20 years, there's going to be even more changes coming with the advent of the Central SOMA plan. And it, again, it's still a work in progress. It's not done yet. But from your, uh, if you've been following uh, the way it sort of worked through the system, what are, what are your takeaways about the Central SOMA plan? How would you like to see it approach differently, if at all? Well, I think that you know, there's no doubt that there's not enough housing in it. Uh, you know, they, they started to develop this. They've been developing it over a long period of time. More than a decade at, at, at this point. You know, yeah. at a time that was different than where we are now. And whether they should have known better or not, you know, we could, that's hard to speak to. But the, the reality is that what we're facing today is different than, than at that time, or at least what different than what they understood the challenge to be at that time. Yes, we'll build the additional office space, but there's clearly a lot more capacity for housing in the plan. And uh, if you're building a ton of jobs and and not enough housing, well, that's gonna you know that's gonna be a problem for the community moving forward. So we're gonna have to figure out immediately if it does pass, uh, which I think it should pass, you know, with some with some amendments, uh, how to add more housing to the plan in the coming years and how to beef that up in, in all, all different ways, and also to actually make sure that these projects get built. Uh, one of my concerns is that we've had a lot of you know, projects that go through entitlements and get approval and then they just sit there. And uh, we have vacant lots that are some of the worst parts of District 6 right now that actually uh, are just waiting to be built. Uh, and instead, they've been taken over by blight and, and drug dealers and all of that. So I'd like to see things move forward and the supervisor really be laser focused on once this plan gets approved, both adding more housing and making sure that things actually happen because we we can put out together any plan we want, but if it's not happening, it's just a piece of paper. Sure. 
One thing that comes up a lot in District 6, and especially in the neighborhood where I believe you live in the Tenderloin, is, is the issue of street cleaning. One thing you pledge to do as a, as a supervisor, if elected, is fight for more street cleaning resources for District 6. Now, during the budget process every year, uh, every supervisor gets, I think for the last two cycles, has been a million dollars to spend on essentially whatever they want in their district, various organizations or initiatives, things that they want to see done in their district. They've got about a million dollars to do so each year. At least that's been the, the current trend. That's the ad back money, of course. Would you want to spend more of that ad back money on street cleaning in particular? Yeah. yeah uh, you know, sometimes it can kind of, we laugh about it, you know, it's like a stepped on poop and, you know, uh, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a really foundational thing for people, uh, and how they view their community and how they experience their own, you know, self-worth and, and, and dignity and respect, uh, from, you know, from, from their city and, uh, with each other. So I do think it's critical if when you walk outside in the morning and you see just trash, you know, strewn all over the streets and sidewalks, uh, you sort of feel like this is a city that is not working and uh, can't really get anything right. And it's hard to uh, support bigger ideas if you can't do that. So I uh, I certainly would look at spending ad back money on street cleaning. I think immediately I'll have a responsibility to demonstrate to my constituents that I have a real plan to address their street cleaning concerns. Uh, you know, uh, I think there's inadequate accountability for uh, Department of Public Works uh, and, and really re- providing additional oversight and, and requiring them to come forward with new ways and innovative ways to think about how they um, deliver on street cleaning. Uh, I also think that the, the CBDs uh, can be better utilized for this. Um, they've actually told me, hey, you know, we want to have a close, direct w- working relationship, and we think there's a lot more that we can do. We got to work on this together. And so uh, I'd work with them. I'd, I think that Department of Public Works can do better. And then if there's additional funding that I can secure, whether through ad back or other ways, you know, I would seek that. I've put clean up the streets at the top of all of my flyers. And if there's one thing I'm committing to the residents is to fight like hell to make sure that that reality changes. Is, is it necessarily a lack of funding that's the issue here? Or is it the way that the resources are allocated? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, I again talk about a lack of a plan. You know, it mm-hmm. seems very kind of ad hoc when and how the the street cleaning happens. Um, there's certain hours and times where and and blocks where it doesn't seem like they get it at all, uh, and that sort of you know ends up piling up. You know, there's a whole kind of movement to be more smart on trash you know one of the questions around that is the trash cans that we have where are they how do we measure them you know we uh we have a a reality in the tenderloin where it's one of the filthiest places on the street you can walk for blocks and not even find a trash can Mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of best practices that are out there around the country and around the world that i think we can draw on to do this better but if we're not placing a high level of accountability on DPW, then I don't think we're going to see much change. So I do think that we can do better with the resources we have now. But, you know, because of the realities out there on the streets, uh, it may take a bit more. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to move into the lightning round. So number one, what is the first piece of legislation that you'd want to sponsor a supervisor? I, I, I would want to focus on this this question of expanding access to mental health care within our uh, shelters and expanding navigation centers. I think that's to me, you know, a fundamental thing that's missing. We have a broken shelter system. So really thinking about the rules and the bureaucracies and how to get people in to shelters better and changing the, the rules so that we're better serving people there. That's going to be my focus from day one is homelessness. Uh, so 
you know, that's, that's something that I focus on. What exactly that legislation looks like and how, you know, I formulate it will mean working with advocates and really developing something together. One of the most closely watched uh, local measures on the November ballot is uh, Proposition C, Our City, Our Home, which would uh, raise taxes uh, on businesses to uh, fund about $300 million for, for homelessness services annually. Quick, you know, a, a thumbs up or down, where do you stand on that issue and a compact answer on why? Thumbs up, uh, absolutely. I think this is a huge opportunity we have to address the biggest crisis uh, that we're facing as a city. And I love that it's focused on the people who are on the streets right now and how to get them immediately into shelter and housing. Uh, it, it would allow us, if it's well-designed, take huge strides toward, towards addressing homelessness. So thumbs way up, and um, I'm looking forward to getting to work to implement it. And same question, thumb up or down for Prop 10, the measure that would repeal Costa Hawkins. What's your position? Uh, I support it. You know, District 6 is probably one of the most dense uh, renter areas, tenant areas um, in the entire state. And so it's critical that the District 6 supervisor is for Prop 10 and takes the lead once it does pass to make sure that we are, we are crafting uh, thoughtful uh, laws that could expand rent control and ensure uh, affordability for our uh, residents. Uh, I think that it, Costa Hawkins is bad public policy. It puts 1979 in in statute for forever, even though we get further and further from that. There's, it feels very arbitrary for me, and it's important that we have local control uh, to craft laws for our tenants. And man, nobody likes um, labels or being put in a box, but you're considered a progressive in uh, the District 6 race. What do you make of that designation? I mean, I, I think that it means that I uh, care about uh, people in our city who are struggling. Uh, it means that uh, I care about social justice and economic justice for all of our residents. Uh, I'm, all, I'm running as a pro-growth, pro-equity candidate. I want to see District 6 continue to grow, both in jobs and housing, but I want to make sure we do a better job of bringing everybody along with us and being more inclusive and addressing inequality. It's shameful that we would be one of the most unequal cities in the entire country, maybe the world. Uh, that that's what it means to me to be a progressive is that you that I, I believe that that's worth fighting for and changing. And if we just pretend that we're going to do the same thing we've been doing and expect a different result. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not with that. <laughs> so um, I, I accept the label of progressive. Uh, but I also would say that within City Hall, we have to be able to work with everybody, talk to everyone. And my first responsibility is to the constituents I want to represent. On that note, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. This show is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. It was produced by me, Dom Fracasa. For more City Hall coverage, visit sfchronicle.com.